G'day everyone, it's Stefan Angelini here from the Investor Types Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. This is a special one where we're talking about strategy and particularly how you can get into a share portfolio without actually using any of your cash and actually protecting all the downside. So if you lost money, you would actually not lose any money. This podcast is really interesting for people who want to invest into a share portfolio or have one and want to invest more, um, who don't want to use their own cash to do so, and that have extra cash in order to meet higher debt repayments when they come up. So the conversation is about using a combination of margin lending as well as put options in order to get into these kinds of products. That's a fixed term investment horizon um, that could be suitable for a lot of people. Now, before we get into it, I just want to remind you one little thing. This is just general information only. Please don't consider this as personal or financial advice, but if you are con- if you are considering a strategy like this after listening to it, just reach out to your own financial planner. Hopefully, they'll be able to point you in the right direction. If you need to reach out to me, please email me at investortypes at gmail.com. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. G'day, folks. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Investor Types uh, we're talking with Nathan Free from Bell Potter Securities, and we're talking about something that people don't know you can really do that much. And I'm talking about investing into stocks with no cash. People always ask, I don't have the cash available to start investing. Can I do it? A lot of the times the answer is no, but in this instance, the answer is yes, you can. Is that right, Nathan? That's correct. Absolutely. Beautiful, mate. Well, thanks for joining me. I want to get right into it. Can you tell me, so how would someone invest into a portfolio of stocks with no cash? Through our uh, geared equities investment product, uh, we will lend investors 100% of the investment amount. Uh, so unlike investing in, a, in an investment property or investing in a margin loan where you typically put a deposit down or a portion mm. of equity, we're yeah. lending investors 100% of that position. Right. So that's it. They borrowed the whole money, invest it. Sounds risky. How risky is it? It's through a, a limited recourse borrowing arrangement. So okay. we hedge out the position in the background. Um, so what that means, we, we effectively use puts on our side, but the investor doesn't have exposure to, to those. Effectively, from their point of view, um, if they borrow 100000 to invest in shares, um, each individual plot of shares is protected against any downside movement from a capital perspective. So, And that's individual protection as well. So if one stock goes up $100 in value and another stock goes down $100 in value, normally you would net off and you'd be back to even. Yep. But with this product, because it's individual stock protection, you'll cancel out and walk away from the loser, uh, and you'll just take the winning $100. So it's quite a powerful proposition. Wow. Okay. So I normally associate limited recourse borrowing arrangements with borrowing from banks to buy properties through super. Um, and essentially, what it means is that even if it, even if it did lose money, is that the banks can't come and chase your personal assets. So there's a protection piece there. But with, with the way you use options, to or the puts to protect the downside and to say that well even if the asset did lose value you're not actually going to lose any money as an investor i mean that's quite powerful so it's principle protected absolutely so you can't no matter what happens if you invest say a hundred thousand in the market and that falls in value to fifty thousand and you've effectively lost fifty thousand um you're protected from that capital move so you can't lose anything uh, from a capital side of things, uh, so the only the only um, downside might be potentially the the, the break even costs. Um, so that's that's a great thing about this product. You know from the outset what your maximum downside is. That that can be set largely in advance. Um, it's basically your interest cost less 
um, the dividends that you receive from stocks, the, the associated franking, and any associated tax deduction as well. Um, so that works out and you know basically what your worst case scenario is and it doesn't matter what happens to that stock. Obviously, you want it to go up so you make a profit, but you can't experience a capital loss. Yeah, okay. So but you said before, so if I've got multiple investments and stock A goes down, stock B, C and D goes up, well, you just cut off stock A, which is lost, but you still get the benefits of B, C, D, E. Exactly right. Hand that back at the end. No harm, no foul. You, you don't experience that loss at all and you just take your profits. Okay. So that means it can go into multiple. I love that. So look, you said before, so you get dividends because you're investing into shares. So you get the normal franking credits that any investor would get. However, Correct. doing something like this, using options and puts sounds quite expensive. Can you explain to me some of the costs that are involved in doing this kind of strategy? It's not going to be um, the same cost as, for example, a margin loan. Yeah. Um, the problem with the margin loan, though, is if the market falls 10 20%, um, you're, you're likely to experience a margin call, be forced to sell out or be forced to um, put more money in or, or have your other assets exposed. So, yeah, look, we've definitely got that protection piece in there. So the interest rate typically is more expensive. Um, your costs are simply your brokerage um, and then your interest costs. Now, your interest cost will vary depending on the risk presented by the investment scenario. So a shorter term investment will be more expensive. So one year will be more expensive, significantly more expensive than two years. Um, and three years will be cheaper again, as an example. Uh, and the volatility of the stocks that you pick. So if you pick, for example, a, a Qantas, Qantas obviously fell recently mm. 75% or something in value. Yep. Um, that means that our hedging costs in the background for us to buy a put to protect that position is going to be more expensive than say a Woolworths, yep. um, which has been experienced a low volatility with everyone buying toilet paper and, and going crazy at the supermarkets. Yep, yep. Um, their price hasn't changed too much. Yep. Uh, so volatility has been low. So yeah, depending on the portfolio that you pick, and so that means the pricing and the interest rate is um, specific to each portfolio. Okay. All right. So you got mainly, so the in cost, which is the brokerage, the in and out costs, which is sort of like a set brokerage cost. Then you've got the, the interest on the loan, which is one component. And then you've got an interest on the option or the put, which is another option, which tends to vary a bit more. So we don't break it up. You, are, you do just have the one interest rate. It is all yep. combined. Um, and we have a, a tax ruling in relation to that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, that interest rate is going to vary depending on um, the, the cost of capital. So the cost of cash at the moment is very, very low, extremely low. So that side of things is very low. But then there's the cost of the, the hedging side of things. And that is probably um, at the higher end at the moment, considering all the volatility we've been experiencing. It's certainly cheaper now than it was where, where are we, May, June? So, um, you know, six weeks ago when things were absolutely plummeting, those um, volatility spiked and those protection costs spiked as well. So, yep. you know, and the, the pricing will change day to day, but we bundle all of that, um, the interest cost into one. Yeah, okay. And you spoke before about the extra risk you take if you've got a shorter period. So with these kinds of, with these kinds of options or trading, how long, can I, can I take these investments forever and use this forever or is there a finite time you have to have? So the contract for the GEI contract is either one, two, three, or four years. Okay. Yep. Um, at the end of four years, you've got some options. So if you're losing stocks, the ones that have, have not gone up or have gone down, you hand those back, no harm, no foul, no brokerage to pay, walk away from them. The profitable stocks, uh, you've got a few options. You can, um, let's say you had that $100,000 portfolio of stocks, and let's say it had turned into a $200,000 portfolio at the end of four years. Mm -hmm. You, still, you need to give us back that 100000 So the first 100000 needs Life. to come back. Yep. You can 
work out a way to fund that. You might move it over to a margin loan because you've got a, a 50-50 LVR. Yeah. You might take that $100,000 off your home loan. You might have 100000 sitting there and you might just take full ownership of that whole $200,000 portfolio. Okay. You might instead um, hand back $100,000 of that portfolio to us, close okay. out that position and keep that 100000 in profit as shares. Mm-hmm. You might keep that 100000 as cash. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so you, you've got you've got the ownership and you've got full discretion as what to do. The other thing you might do is you might take that hundred thousand dollars that you owe us and roll that over to a new GEI. So you might roll this over again, start a new facility. You've got your hundred thousand in profit, whether you're taking that as shares or cash, it's up to you. And the, and the portfolio of hundred thousand in shares, you, you might roll that over to a new GEI facility. So yeah, it's quite flexible. Right. Okay, so even if I've got a a four-year term facility and I think I've got a few investments that have run their race um, and therefore, you know, I'm happy to get out now, let's say it's after two years and I've got a four-year term facility, would I be able to get out at year two? You can, yes, we do give that option, but... Look, I, I'm, I'm not going to misguide you here. It, is, it can be quite expensive, um, okay. depending on how long it's left. Because you've got we basically, costs. Yeah, there are break costs, and they can be significant depending on how long's left. I like to use a rough rule of thumb of about 5% per year um, that's left, but that, I mean, that's certainly, it's not scalable, and that's certainly not what it is. But if you keep that in mind, it's going to be pretty close to re- reality. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, what we're doing is by we're hedging in the background and we're recouping that cost over the term of the um, contract. So if we spend all that money in year one to hedge that position for buying puts, and then you walk away in year two, well, we need to recoup the cost of that protection that we would have recouped over the last two years. So look, it certainly is possible to walk away, and there's other strategies we can do that get a bit more sophisticated and that they can, you know, in that kind of circumstance, they talk to you as the advisor, and we can work through those those ways to do it, which won't necessarily incur that big break cost. Yep. Um, but just... You, if you're entering a GEI, you're entering it with a mindset that you're really expecting it to hold it to term, yep. but you do have the option to walk away midterm and even for losing stocks. For the hedging, we use American put options. American compared to European put options mean that you're protected throughout the term. So if you get halfway through a four-year term, one stock's $100,000 down and you go, you know what, I, d- I just want to get out of this. Things are happening. I don't want to have this facility anymore. That stock's never coming back. Look, there's going to be a break cost, as I told you, but you're yep. still not liable for that loss. You don't have to hold the contract to term to mm. have that protection. Again, the protection is there throughout the whole contract. Yeah, okay. And look, you, you can draw a comparison to people that have an investment property and they fix a loan with a bank for a three-year term. You want to try and get out. The bank's going to go, well, no, you can't get out. If you are going to get out, we're going to charge you some break costs. It's as simple as that. It's an easy, easy way to draw a comparison, but you're doing all the hedging behind the scenes, which makes it a little bit trickier for you. An added layer, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Look, so, so what people have to understand is that these aren't the cheapest, thing going, cheapest things going around because of the running costs, essentially, like, because you've got not only the brokerage, which is in and out cost, you've got the the other interest rate, which, which, you know, it's not just a normal trading facility because you've got the hedging because there's so much work going into it. Um, so with these costs though, am I able to claim a tax deduction for these costs? So the uh, ATO allows basically what they call the reference or benchmark rate. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, that's currently sitting at uh, 6.098%. So we'll call it 6.1%. So yep. up to that point, um, you can claim... Um, and look, it's also subject to the individual individual's tax status. So they need to see yep. 
personal tax advice, but uh, most investors will be able to claim a tax deduction up to that 6.1%. If the interest rate is above that, let's say it was 7%, um, as an example, 6.1% they claim as a tax deduction against their income. So mm-hmm. they reduce their income tax. The other 1% or 0.9 of a percent extra, that would go towards the cost base of their investment, which would mean if they make a profit on those stocks, that would reduce the tax they pay as a capital gains tax. Okay. Or if they didn't make a profit on those stocks, it would carry forward as a, a, um, a capital loss, which could be offset against future capital gains. Okay. So even though, you might, even though there is that limit of 6.1%, there, there is still tax benefits for any interest you're paying above and beyond that. Okay. So, um, so let's say someone makes a gain and they've held it for two years. Typically with holding an asset, you can claim a 50% capital gains tax deduction when you hold it for longer than 12 months for an investment. Does that Correct. still apply to these products? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, I like it. So look, it's, it sounds quite interesting in a low market, something like low, low rates, um, a market that's come off a lot. You know, there might be a lot of people that are interested in this. Um, who are the main people that you see um, investing in, in through this kind of structure? What are, what are the main investor types that you see come across your desk and, and where does it fit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've done this myself. Um, I did this a couple of years ago and I've actually got an application. And this is something I'd say to you as well. If you've got any interest, get your application in early because you don't want to be seen as a great opportunity to buy and needing to apply on that day because it can take you know yeah. depending if you get yeah. all your documentation to us it might take a week or so you know a few days to set it up um so i've got mine set up ready to go waiting yeah. for an opportunity this fi- end of financial year um but i did one a couple of years ago and i was in the process of buying a home so we had a significant amount of cash sitting there for the deposit and i wanted to be in the market i thought there were good things going on in the market but i didn't want to touch that cash in case i needed it so i was able to leave that cash sitting there go take out a gi 100% not putting any cash down use my monthly salary to go towards that mm. um, and, and get into the market so we see that a lot where people have you know whether it's they've got cash sitting there they don't want to touch because it's for a specific purpose but they want to be in the market and experience the upside of these growth assets particularly you know in the market now people are getting quite excited with the fact that we've had a, a major correction Um, might be that somebody has um, a lot in property, all their money in property and they want to diversify. Uh, So they want to diversify into equities, but all their money's tied up in property or all their money's tied up in, we see this with uh, executives of companies. You know, you might have an executive who, who gets, um, uh, gets shares. They might get $2 million worth of shares in their company. They're all locked up in it. Um, they can give that, bring that $2 million worth of shares, depending on if the stock's on our APL, they bring those stocks over to us. We can then release that equity, you know, so they get the $2 million back to invest in the share market and build a diversified portfolio mm-hmm. rather than being stuck in, in one asset. Yep. Uh, we see it in very commonly in, in young professionals, guys who are starting to make good money, but they, they haven't really built a, a big capital base behind them. So they know they should be in the market. They, they want some tax-effective investments. They want to get that exposure and, and be in the market. They know they can afford to manage it on the monthly repayments, but they just don't have that $100,000 sitting in the bank account to get in. Um, and we see it looking in, in professionals, 40, 50, even right up to pre-retirees, guys who are looking for, um, you know, particularly around this time of year, we probably do, to be honest, about 80 90% of our inflows over this month of June. Um, and it's part of the tax planning strategy. So, you know, it forms part of a, a smart tax planning strategy while also getting a genuine underlying exposure to the market and growth assets and, and trying to make some profit. Yeah. So when you see see clients 
if you've got a high, in, on the highest marginal tax rate with those tax deductible expenses, you're able to claim something in the, in the 40s back as opposed to if you're a lower income and you're able to claim something in the 30s back. Um, so that you get that little bit of extra benefit where you are on the higher high marginal tax rate, but it doesn't necessarily have to just be for those people. The amount of pe- exactly. the different kinds of people that you just explained is you know fantastic. I understand how it applies to all those people, but for those people out there who are wanting to get into this and might want to buy a property in the future, I guess it is borrowing, so it is going to be assessed if you are going to borrow something in the future. Um, so just make sure you talk to the right financier about it. Um, what you said about the application and getting applications in over throughout the start of coronavirus, there was a lot of people that wanted to go and withdraw on margin loans to get into the stock market. However, talking to people from the banks who are in these departments, they were too busy making margin calls to be able to process new applications. So if you didn't have your application set up, you weren't moving. So you're right. right. Getting on the front foot, getting everything set up to be ready to pounce whenever the time's right. um, I think it's it's amazing. So Nathan, if there there is someone out there listening to this, who thinks that this is applicable to them, how, how do you think they should get into something like this? Look, it is, it is a, a sophisticated product. So I, I wouldn't recommend uh, a layperson to come and just invest directly. Um, they need to talk to a finance professional, somebody who's got experience with, um, with lending to invest as well, someone like yourself, Stefan, someone who's you know, experienced in guiding, not only on the investment side, but yeah, taking into consideration those risks of borrowing to invest uh, and, and can, I guess, p- um, put it as part of their overall investment strategy. Yeah, 100%. So if you are looking to get into something like this, look at it's it as a piece part of, of your overall investment strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a structure. It's a great structure. It's something different. It's what a lot of people wouldn't know out there. Um, so... Nathan, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining this to us. Um, I know I'm more educated after it, even though um, I know a lot about it. Um, For anyone out there who's got any questions about it, feel free to reach out to me, Stefan, at angeladvisory.com.au. Otherwise, if you've got any comments about it, feel free to leave a comment below. This is on YouTube as well as on podcasts. Uh, So, Nathan, I'm going to leave it there, mate. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Nathan, thanks a lot for giving up your time, mate. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Investor Types podcast. What I want to remind you is that everything you heard in this podcast is general advice only. Please don't consider it as personal advice. If you do want to consider, consider it as being personal advice, please go and speak to your licensed financial planner. Everything here is just informational purposes only. Take it as you will. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks again for tuning in. See you soon.